So God bless all of you, and we're going to continue to th stick with our theme where we're talking about sharing God's love. So today I want to talk with you for a little bit about loving others God's way. Notice that, loving others God's way, because we all have a way, right? We all have the way we like to do things sometimes, including love, but today we want to talk about loving others God's way. And I say that God has three great passions for us when it comes to love. Three great passions. He wants you to love him. He wants you to love yourself. And he wants you to love others. That's God's three great passions for us when it comes to love. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to start this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And this is one of the great sections, or actually one of the first sections in the Word where Jesus Christ begins to open up this great subject matter to us on love. Matthew, chapter 5. So if you're all there, we're at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start here in verse 43. And Jesus Christ says, Ye have heard that is it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. <laughs> That's a tall order, right? And he says earlier, he says, you've heard that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So when he was speaking this, that was the common belief system, that it was okay for you to love one person and hate another. But Jesus Christ shows up and dis revolutionizes people's thinking around what real love is. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45. And the reason why you do this, he says, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and he sendeth rain on the just and who? The unjust. See, God doesn't just love those who love him. Ever notice? God loves everybody. Regardless if you're good or evil, whatever it may be, God loves everyone. And if we're to follow the example of God's love, then who are we supposed to love? Everyone. Now, did I say that was always going to be easy? No. Nope. It's not always easy, but it's still our standard. That's what we hold to. Verse 46. For if ye love them which love you, what, re what reward have ye? And, and he also says, do not even the publicans the same? Verse 47. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Verse 48. Be or become ye therefore perfect. And that word perfect in the Greek is thelos. So thelos. Which means what has reached its end terms that which is complete, perfect, full, and wanting nothing. That's what he says. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is what? Perfect. But what's the context? You become perfect. You become whole. You become not wanting anything as you love. That's the context of where that verse 48 falls. Be ye therefore perfect in light of loving others. And that loving others would include, because he started the, the section here, we're loving your enemies. 
So as I love, as I love, as I love, regardless if a person loves me back, as I love, God says he's going to make me perfect. He's going to make me complete. He's going to make me full. He's going to make me not wanting anything. Isn't that wonderful to know? But it's all in light of you loving. It's just like we've learned as you teach the word, you're not responsible for the person's reaction to you teaching the word. And it's the same with love. As I love, I'm not responsible for how they respond back to me. I'm just responsible to love. They may hate you. They may say nasty things about you, because they do, right? <laughs> but the issue is, you've done your part. Isn't that wonderful to see? Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Now, with a tall order like that, I want to show you why you can do it. So this is on the day of the ascension. So Mark chapter 16, and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. Verse 19 says, So then, after the Lord, this is talking about Jesus Christ, has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, talking about the twelve apostles, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working how? With them. And confirming the word with signs following. It says the Lord worked with them. I grew up in a Baptist denomination that told me that God works through me. That's spiritualism. That's devilish and that's wrong. Because if you teach people that God works through them, then the connotation is God can violate your free will. God can force you to do something. And he can't. So that's why the word says here, and the Lord worked with them, right? And guess what? I got great news for you. If you will to love, God will work with you. If you will to love God, God will work with you to teach you how to love him. If you will to love yourself, God will work with you to teach you how to love yourself. And if you will to love others, God will work with you to teach you how to love others. Isn't that fantastic? So guess what? I don't have to count on my own limited ability. I need to count on God's unlimited ability. That's why I can love. That's why you can love the loveless. Right? Because you're not counting on your own ability. You're counting on the ability of God in Christ in you. And God's love is what? Limitless. I just told you God loves everybody. Right? So what does God want you to do? Love. God wants you to love. Isn't that great to see that? Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. So now we don't have to guess because a lot of people are like, well, what is love? Can't you see some intellectual guys of our day debating that? What is love? <laughs> love is this and love is that and love is this and love is that. Well, we don't have to guess because it says in the word, it tells us exactly what love is. You in 1 John? Look at chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now that's King James. That's kind of a little, that's a little tongue twister if you say that fast five times. All it's trying to say is God begat Jesus Christ, right? If you love God, then you also love the one that God begat, which is his son, Jesus Christ. That's all it's saying. Verse 2, 
By this, we what? No, not guess, not speculate, but we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his what? Commandments. How do you show forth that you love God? You love his word and you love his children. That's how you show you love God, right? Says it right there. Let's move further, though. Verse 3, for this is the love of God. God's about to take the entire guesswork out of what it means to love. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not what? Grievous. grievous. And the word grievous means burdensome. Okay? So it is not a burden to do the word. The world may tell you that. Believers with unrenewed minds may tell you that. But it is not a burden to do God's word. So what's love? It's to keep his commandments. So how do I show the world that I love God and I love them? You hold to the standard of the word. Every time you do the word, you're proving you love God and you love people. Every time. Every time you do the word, you're proving that you love God and you love people. You just got to hold forth the standard. You got to hold to what the word says and show people God's love. Isn't that great? And here's the reason why you got to hold forth to the standard. Because God's love is seen in action, not your intentions. Did you catch that? God's love is seen in your actions, not your intentions. Well, I intended to hug you. I intended to work. I intended to tell you I love you. You don't see it then, do you? Because it's all on the inside of my head. Right. But when I say, Joy, I love you, you can see that. When I hug Dana, say, God bless you, brother. You can see that. Right. Your love. God's love is seen in your actions, not your intentions. God so loved the world that he intended to give. No, it didn't say he intended to give. He gave. Right. Jesus Christ so loved that he thought about healing that guy. Or he thought about the guy who was born blind? I, I think I might. I don't know. Maybe next week. That's not how it works. Your good intentions from the word must be fulfilled. They must be carried out. You can't just be in your own head having good intentions. Because God's love is seen through your actions. Right? That's how it's seen. So how are people going to see God? In your actions. Didn't Jesus Christ say, uh, have I been with you so long? If you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. He wasn't saying he was God, but he was saying, in my actions, you see the Father. We can do the exact same thing. It's through our actions that people will see God. It's through our love of other people, people will see God. You see how that works? Let me give you one great key. You might want to write this one down. People do what they see. If you love, people will start loving because you're loving. You ever notice? There's that old saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? People do what they see. My wife gave me a great example at work. They had one boss who didn't really care whether you were on time or not. So guess what? Everybody started being late because people do what they want. See, she got another boss that was at the time clock at 7 a.m. making sure everybody got there. Guess what? Everybody had to change and get there. People do what they see. 
You got to be the first to love. Didn't I just teach that a couple weeks ago? You got to be the first person to love. And then people will start picking up on your example, my example. Isn't that great? Look at Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. Let me give you another great one. This is how we love others. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. And verse 10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the what? Love. Law. So if you bought all of God's laws from the Old Testament, over the thousands of them, if you boiled them down to one simple thing, it would be what? Love. So as we love, we're, the word says we're fulfilling the law. But the first part is what I want to look at. Love worketh no ill to his what? Neighbors. The word ill, I-L-L in the Greek here, it has three different definitions. Number one, uh, for ill, it means a mode of thinking, feeling, or action. A mode of thinking, feeling, or action. So if I am thinking evil of someone, it's just as bad as doing evil to someone. If I'm thinking it, if I'm feeling it, it's just as bad as doing it as far as God's is, God is concerned. right? So that's why we got to renew our mind. Here's the second definition for this word ill. It means to do a wrong or a crime. C-R-I-M-E, crime. See? If I'm walking in the love of God, I'm not doing that stuff. And here, listen to this one. This is the third def definition. It's to be injurious or destructive. So, love works no ill to its neighbor. So, who is my first neighbor? I can tell you. Every morning I wake up, I roll over and there she is. My wife. She's my first neighbor. So, I am not to do injurious things to her, destructive things to her. I am not to do her wrong, commit crimes to her. She's my first neighbor. Then when I walk out my front door to start my day, whoever I run into next, that's my neighbor. Don't start thinking, well, my neighbor is just a believer. Because we don't live in no commune society and no combine or a big fence around our houses and we're all living together. Don't think that because that's what the adversary will want you to do. When I walk out my front door, my first person I see, my neighbor, someone on the street, that's my neighbor. I'm not to do any ill to them. I drive. <coughs> 15, 20 minutes later, I'm at work. I got a group of co-workers. They now become what? My neighbors. And the word still says, the love of God and the renewed mind work of no ill to his neighbor. It's in your what? Actions. That's where people are going to see you love God and love them. It's in your actions. And notice what I said earlier. If your thinking is wrong, your actions will be wrong. Ever notice? If your thinking is wrong, your actions is going to be wrong. It's just like those of you who cook real well. I said those of you because I'm not in that group. Those of you who cook real well, you, you can notice like, oops, I missed, a, I missed an ingredient. This is not tasting like it's supposed to. Because you know what's supposed to be in there. It's the same way with love. When you're not loving, when you're not thinking right, your actions are not going to turn out right. See how that works? Okay, a couple more and we're almost done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is God's standard for love, how we love other people. 
You guys know this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're starting in verse 4. And you know the word charity here means the love of God and the renewed mind in manifestation. It just means your love for God being manifested to other people. And it says love. That's how I'm going to define charity. Love suffer long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Those are all characteristics of love. Love suffereth long. That means you're patient with people. If you're getting impatient with yourself and other people, you're getting out of love. You're patient with people. Notice it also says it is what? Kind. And that word kind means in spite of ingratitude from others. You're still kind. That's what that love is. Despite ingratitude. People roar at you. Well, God bless you. Good morning to you too. Hope things get better for you. Maybe that's all you can do for people, right? But you're still to be kind. And then it says, love envieth not. Love does what? Envieth not. You're not to be envious. Number one, you never should be envious of an unbeliever. <laughs> Ever. Because they're dead in sin, trespasses and sins. But the greater good here is you're not envious of each other. Right? Simply because one person has an ability you don't have, that's not a reason to be envious. Because you have an ability that they don't have. You see how it works? We just heard the prayer earlier. God put us all together for a reason, for a purpose, because we all add something to this one body. So that's why we should never, ever envy one another. Then it says, love vaunteth not itself. That means you're not into bragging. You're not rash, and that is not puffed up. Verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, and is not easily provoked, and here's the big one, thinketh no evil. And the word thinketh here means logically conclude. That means after you're done thinking all your thinking, your, your final decision should not be something evil. Your final conclusion and all your thinking shouldn't be something evil. I should never look at Kathy, never look at Joy or Ermius, and then when I'm done thinking about you guys, my final conclusion is something evil. That's outside the word. That's not love. And what did I say? If my thinking is wrong, my actions will be wrong. Wow. Verse 6. This is what love does. It rejoiceth not in iniquity. So that means when something, you got a horrible neighbor. They've just been driving you nuts for months. Then all of a sudden, something bad happens to them. You don't go, yay! Yeah! They had it coming. Nope. That's wrong. It says the love of God does not rejoice in evil. Even when I'm watching TV and I see like, you see this happening around the world, the terrorist groups and somebody gets blown up or somebody dies. You have to renew your mind not to rejoice to that crap because it's still wrong. Even though they've pulled off something evil against somebody else and something comes back to them, it's still wrong. You don't rejoice in evil. That's the word. Am I reading it right? Sure, it says it right there. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Because I got news for you, people. Even the people who do evil, Jesus Christ died for them. Think about it. Even your Muslim, your terrorists, Jesus Christ died for them. He didn't die just for you. He died for everyone. 
Now, they, they died without accepting him, but he still died for them. That's love. That's the way we have to think. That's the way we have to look at this thing. Last verse, Ephesians chapter 4. This is how we love others. And it doesn't it feel good when you love somebody? Doesn't it feel good when they love you back? Right? That's wonderful. But every now and then we have days where that doesn't happen. I love someone, they don't love you back. Right? They say something nasty about you, especially like sometimes your co-workers or people, unbelievers you meet, because they don't get it. They don't understand. But it should never be that way in the household. You should never, ever, and if you do, then you need to confront me and my wife. You should never show up at my house and not feel love. And if you do feel that way, then you need to be like, hey, Don, come here. I need to tell you something. I don't feel love coming here. Then I need to make an adjustment, right? I should never feel unloved seeing you or seeing you. I should feel love the moment I see you because that's how God made us. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse uh, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. But listen to this out of the Amplified. And this goes back to my original statement that God's love is seen in action. Listen to what uh, Ephesians 4.15 says in the Amplified. Rather, let your lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Stop right there. Those are all actions, right? Speaking is an action. Dealing is an action. Living is an action. God's love is seen in actions. Let me start over. Let me read that again. Rather let your lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Enfold it in love. Let us grow up in every way and all things unto him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. This word says we are to be enfolded in love. Ever seen pastries? When they put something in the middle, then they fold the dough over it. You're to be enfolded in love. That's what you're to be enfolded in. So every taste, every bite of you is just love. <laughs> you see how that works? Because you're enfolded in love. So let me end with this. God's love is already in us by way of the new birth. We must then get it in our thinking via the renewed mind so it is, so it is put forth to others. God wants his love on display through you. God wants his love on display in us. He wants us to hold to the standard of his word, and this is how we love others God's way. God bless. Amen.